Hello again and welcome back to my um, podcast which is all about my um, book, one of my first books called um, Black Pegasus. So um, yeah, thanks very much for coming back um, to listen. We're now on chapter 6 and um, let's just go for it. Okay, chapter 6. The rising sun emerged over the eastern horizon. Covered by a fragile mist of weaving cloud, it tinted the sky and the sea with a hazy orange glow and its fresh morning light radiated warmly across the land. In the last century, the earth had changed, from the species that lived upon it to a new distribution of land and sea. No longer did there exist the smooth golden sandy beaches and island paradises of the old world. Instead, only cliff faces, caves, rocks and stony shores kept companionship with the sea. Land borders had been obliterated, countries no longer existed and new ones had been created. Some of the old cities and structures could still be found, however, statically submerged in their underwater seaweed-shrouded grave and were explored as sites of historical interest. But despite all of this, despite all all that had changed on the earth and the things that may also have changed in the moon, stars and galaxies beyond, one thing was constant, one thing had never changed – And that thing was the sun. Because even today, in the year 2455, children still learned that the sun rose in the east and set in the west, ever constant and reliable from beginning to end. Mariana stood on a high rocky cliff edge overlooking the sea. All around was quiet and calm, and the only movement she sensed was the wind in her hair and the breath in her chest. And even though she was cold, covered in mud and her rucksack felt like a lead weight on her back after having wearily clambered her way here from the bottom of the trunk of the third city of Gemini, Mariana felt warmth tingle from her fingers to her toes and she sat down to stare at the ocean scene she knew and loved so well. On the shore below, Mariana spotted a sheltered bay where a mermaid fireball was still burning. Mermaid fireballs were made from densely intertwined sticks and driftwood set inside large open oil drums of up to three metres in diameter. They were constructed while the tide was high enough for the merfolk to swim into the sheltered bay and sit beside the, and sit beside the flat rock upon which the oil drum was anchored. Merfolk were so well practised in fireball construction it could almost be considered a work of art, like the great hives of bees and the nests of swallows once were. Once finished, the woven wooden sticks would bulge out of the drum like a giant scoop of perfectly spherical ice cream on a round cornet, and it would then be covered with a sauce of thick black oil. When ignited, the mermaids were able to bathe in its powerful heat, keeping themselves warm in the long cold hours between sunset and sunrise. The merfolk were long gone from this fireball, but heat still radiated from its core, and the warmth shone out to Mariana like a welcoming beacon, beckoning her down to shore. Mariana had two choices, stay and rest for a while or carry on to Jessica and David's home which was further south behind the rocky peninsula. To reach it Mariana would have to traverse over rocks while the tide was low but it was a dangerous crossing to attempt right now. Carrying on would risk falling into the sea when the tide began to swell. Mariana was not a weak swimmer but the sea was unpredictable and the rocks were sharp. The medicine bottle she carried for David might be smashed or lost and her own life too would not be safe. Right now, the risks were too high. I will rest for a while, she decided, but not for long. Mariana climbed down to the bay to warm herself by the fire. The heat was glorious and after warming her cold hands and feet, she retreated into the small cave behind the fireball and took some of the bread and water from her rucksack. 
Curling her legs up to her chin, she ripped the bread with her teeth and munched down. But, feeling very much like a frightened little mole that was peering at the outside from within its dark hole, she began to frown. Why am I acting like a criminal, she thought. Why am I staring out from a cramped little space at a huge wide world, acting like I must hide when I have done nothing wrong? And he's probably not even looking for me. Alexander will have realised by now that he has made a mistake, that there is nothing I have that he wants, and that my grandfather, the one he really wants, is dead and gone. And besides, I am so dirty, I stink, and I am covered in mud from head to toe. If he's looking for me, then he will smell me before he sees me. I need a wash. I really, really need a wash. From a side pocket in her rucksack, Mariana pulled out a bar of soap, which she had been saving for Jess. With the soap in her hand, she uncurled herself from the little cave and walked confidently to the water's edge. And in a sort of mechanical action, which was silently and unselfconsciously performed, she just kept on walking, straight into the sea. Letting the water rush over her legs, she moved in deeper and deeper, and when she was almost submerged, she began to remove her mud-smeared clothes, first her shoes, then her trousers, then her top, and finally her underwear. Placing her clothes on a rock at the side of the bay, she then lay back in the water and let its fresh calmness soothe her, before washing the dirt from her hair and skin. And when she had finished and her body was clean, she washed her clothes, put them back on the rock to dry, kicked up her legs, swished her hands by her side, and lay floating on her back. Looking up at the sky, she let her thoughts drift freely with the water, and a million things flooded into her mind. So much had happened, and so much of it she didn't understand. Who was this man, Alexander Zidane? He was heir to the rulership of the city of Gemini, that was a fact. He was rough, abrupt, and very demanding, but he was also handsome and strong, and she could not help but recall his dark eyes, the curve on his lips that would melt any woman's heart, and the strength he possessed as he carried her through the, ar the sky in his arms. Was he a good man, or was he one of the ones who descended from the sky to bring fear to her community? That is what Jess believed. But what about Mariana? What did she believe? Was Alexander a man, or a beast? Could she trust him? And if so, should she ignore the voices in her head? She just didn't know. All she knew for sure was that he was out of her reach, out of her league, and no matter how strong and how handsome, she must never entertain any thoughts of desire. The law strictly forbade humans and pegasines to form any kind of romantic relationship. And the punishments were high if that law was broken. There were stories of pegasines and humans who had conceived children together. If caught, the child would be forcibly removed, both parents would be sterilised, and the pegasine would have his or her wings clipped by removal of the wing bones. The possessions and livelihood of both would be, would be destroyed and they would then be taken to opposite sides of the world and left there, penniless and alone, blacklisted, blacklisted and branded as criminals. Without a home or a future, destitute and broken-hearted, they often roamed the barren countrysides until death finally took them from the cruel fate they endured. Mariana dipped her head under the water once more in a final rinse of her soapy hair. Staying submerged until all the little bubbles drifted away, and the breath was gone from her lungs, she eventually rose to the surface and began to swim back to shore. When the ocean became sh shallow enough, she set her feet down and began to walk, slowly emerging from the water, skin to air, crisp and sharp, exposed but clean and free. There was nothing on her mind. She felt serene and composed. The ocean did that to her. It made her thoughts turn to liquid. It made them smooth and slippery, made them squirm from her mind and disappear into a lake of calm. 
the sounds of the ocean waves, the soft splash against hard stone, the cool thrill of water slipping over warm skin, washing it clean. It was something she yearned for, that touch on her thighs, between her fingers, playing over her belly. Her own solitary thoughts were lost there again, as her breasts and her belly, naked and exposed, slipped from the sea. But she was not alone. He was on her mind, his face, his hands, the way his fingers ran through her hair, the way he searched her skin with his eyes. She was lost, lost in the calm and the confusion. She hadn't even noticed how far out of the sea her body had emerged. A line of water floated over her abdomen, just above her pubis, and the cold air had done nothing to wake her from her thoughts. Neither had the swooping sound overhead, and neither had the scrunch of stones on the nearby shore. It was only when the water began to drift through her outstretched fingers and her eyes lifted to the pebbled beach that she became very suddenly and very acutely aware of the fact that she was being closely watched and that far more of her was on show than she would ever have dared to allow. OMG, she mouthed, taking a sharp breath and abruptly wrapping her arms around her naked body, which had stopped still in sudden fright. With wide-eyed alarm, she focused on the tall, dark form on the shore, and on immediately recognising the face which stared back at her, she almost dived back under the water. "'You look a little flushed,' he called over. "'Is the water very hot?' There was a hint of the devil in his dark eyes, and a smug smile played on his handsome lips, while he stood at the water's edge with his arms folded across his chest and his feet set apart. His grin was widening. Alexander Zidane, the heir to the Pegasian Empire, was watching her, grinning like a cat as she flushed with embarrassment. "'I am sorry. It was not my, my intention to alarm you. Please, continue out of the water.' Now he was goading her. The man was goading her to come out, knowing full well that she was completely naked, and still the grin remained on his lips. "'I... Uh, could you... if you could...' "'Could I?' he asked, raising an amused eyebrow. Then Alexander began to remove his long coat and step forward over the pebbles. When his black leather boots were half submerged in seawater, he held his coat out, open to her. I will turn around if you wish to continue out of the water. You look very cold. Take my coat to cover you. She nodded with a weak smile and thanks, and they both stood for a moment in the dewy half-worn morning. The glow from the mermaid fire lit Alexander's towering silhouette, and Mariana did not know if her feet were rooted to the rocky seabed in fear, in fear, embarrassment, or in mesmerised admiration of his powerful masculine frame and she trembled as a breeze swept over her naked skin. I, th I know you think that I am a monster, Mariana, but you are wrong. I did not come here to frighten you, or indeed to take you back to the place from which you just escaped. However, whether you believe me or not, it would be best if you come up now. You are cold, and you are starting to shiver. And please, don't be embarrassed either. I have seen a naked woman before, and you are... A woman without wings? A plain, normal human? That is not what I was about to say. But yes, I admit that I have never looked upon a normal woman without wings. You are the first. But as for being plain, he replied, you are the furthest thing I have ever seen from that. He was so mesmerising, so husky and so utterly gorgeous, that for a few moments she had felt warm from her fingers to her toes, until a sudden stiff breeze assaulted her skin. Could you please turn around now? she asked abruptly. Droplets of water ran down her thighs as the sea water melted away and she walked into shore. 
Pushing her arms quickly into his warm black coat, she felt him wrap it tightly round her. Thank you, she said, shaking off his touch. You are welcome, he replied. But he would not let her shed him so easily, and with the, the coat collar held tightly in his hands, he pulled her closer to him and tipped her head up, so that she stared directly into his dark eyes. Mariana, why were you so desperate to escape from me? he asked. His breath rushed over her skin. She smiled, confused at his question. Isn't it obvious? I was your prisoner. He frowned. You were not a prisoner. You were not in any danger. Hmm, she replied, placing her, lip placing her finger thoughtfully on her lip. Now let me think. Taken from my home in the middle of the night, placed in a white dome with a man who stalked the perimeter like I was his prey, bribed with gifts, given only bread and water, told if I did not cooperate that things would get much worse. Now, what was it you were confused about again? The definition of prisoner? Maybe I should look it up for you some day. I did not stalk you like you were my prey. I treated you well. The bread and water was the finest. The central dome was the most comfortable we have. If you had asked me for more comfortable things, I would have got them for you. So that I would cooperate? Make life easier for you? No. Then why? And why are you here now? To take me back? To force me again against my will? You think very little of me. Pegasines are not known for their gentle nature. As I do not know you, I class you in the same general category. So do you still wish to run from me? Right now, yes, yes I do. You are staring at me like, like, like I do not want to let you go. Yes, and you're holding me like, like you're mine to possess. Yes, she whispered. Caressing her lip with his thumb, he said, and does that frighten you so much that you would still run from me? Yes, she whispered again. So you do not yet know if I am a man or a beast? No, but I have my suspicions. He smiled briefly. So how do we find out for sure? We? Yes, we. His jaw clenched and his dark eyes flickered as he ran his fingers roughly through her hair. Lowering his lips so close to hers that they were, they were, they were almost touching, he said... With you, Mariana, I think I could be in danger of becoming both. Then, with a deep and determined breath, he let her go. All Pegasians were a special type of watch, which, amongst other things, acted as a communication device. Alexander activated his and began to walk back from the shore towards the cliffside. Mariana heard him speaking, but his low, distant voice was carried further away by the wind, and she could not make out the words, except to hear the name Fedor, and Peter Strauss being mentioned. Buttoning up his long coat, Mariana climbed the rocks to retrieve her wet clothes and took them to the mermaid fire to dry. Sitting down, she looked up to see Alexander's distant figure on top of the cliffside. I could jump into the sea while he's not looking, she thought. Why don't I just dive in and swim away? She looked out to the ocean. The tide was swelling and the waves had turned grey and choppy. She knew she would stand more chance of escaping with her life if she stayed on dry land. Alexander returned and sat down beside her. There is good heat from these fires, he remarked. They are well constructed. Yes, she distantly replied. Mariana, he said, I think it is time for me to tell you something, to tell you what it is that I need from you and why. Okay, she replied, keeping her gaze on the tumbling ocean. I am listening. It was my father who sent me to find you. Fedor Zidane? But why? Why me? My father once knew your grandfather. They once worked together. My father and your grandfather were friends. Really? 
Is that so hard to believe? Yes, it is. Pegasines rarely mix with humans. You are so, so different from us, she replied. We are not so different from you. We are still human. But it was before my father became Pegasean that he worked with your grandfather. I don't understand, she remarked, turning to look at him. My father is 120 years old. He was one of the first humans to be given wings. It was like a prize, a reward. A reward? For what? When he was human, my father was a scientist, just like your grandfather. And that is how they knew each other? They were both scientists in the same field? Yes. They both worked on the genetic code to bring about the growth of wings. I see. But what does that have to do with me? My father is searching for the research your grandfather was working upon. What research? Let's just say he was working on the cure for a disease. What kind of disease? It's complicated. Then explain it to me. I can't. You can't or you won't? Both. Then how am I supposed to help you if I don't know what you are looking for? You do not need to understand this. You just need to trust me. You cannot just ask me to trust you and expect it to be done. It is not that easy. Trust does not come easily between a human and a Pegasian. Not after everything you and your people have done to us. Alexander frowned. What have we done to you that is so bad? Mariana stared at him in disbelief. How could a man, so educated and knowledgeable, with eyes that looked like they held much passion, be so blind to the world that existed below his own? If he really did not know what she was talking about, then where did she begin to tell him? And if she did try and explain what life was like for those he was about to rule over, would he really listen? The mere people live in a world that you ignore, a world that is different from the luxurious existence you lead. You throw your rubbish from the skies to land on them and on us. To you, the mere people are nothing more than garbage, and the sea is a dumping ground for the things you do not want or have, or have no desire to keep. And no one has a harder life than the mere folk, and no one is more powerless to do anything to change it. And what about humans? Do they feel the same way? Do we treat them as badly as we treat the mere folk? No, Mariana replied, we have more freedom than they do, more chances, more choices but they are still limited. Most people wish one day to have wings. It is their ultimate goal. They want to be you, to be one of you. They wish for it more than life. And what about you, Mariana? What do you wish for? Lifting his hand to brush the hair from her cheek, he watched her lips move, her eyes flash, and her breath sharply inhale at his touch. His gaze was transfixed, intense, and Mariana felt a flame of desire burn brightly in her heart. All she wanted to do was touch him, her eyes drifted from his face to linger over the folded black wings on his back, and instinctively her fingers began to gently trace over the line of black feathers. They felt coarse and strong. Opening up her palm, she continued to stroke down. His wings shuddered slightly, and her hand moved away in surprise. "'I'm sorry,' she said. "'Don't be,' he replied, brushing his lips lightly over hers. "'There are some things that happen to us that we have no control over. "'You are only human.' Like an icy blast, his words revived her. Only human, just a weak and flawed human, not a superior Pegasian. Just tell me what this is about, Alexander, she snapped. Are you trying to trick me into doing something that will actually merit me being taken prisoner in your city? Is that, is that what this is? You're trying to tempt me so that I may be accused of breaking one of your cherished laws? What did I say to change the look in your eyes, Mariana? Nothing. 
I just suddenly realized who we are, who you are, who I am. Just tell me what you want from me and let this be over. Alexander frowned deeply. I already have, he gruffly said. Well, I don't have your research. I don't know anything about it. If you want my grandfather's research, you will have to ask him for it. And how do I do that? Where do I find him? Our databases have found no trace of him. And you think I am hiding him somewhere? You think I have the key to a secret your all-knowing databases cannot decipher? I am no one and I know nothing. I have told you this before and you refuse to listen. Why do you keep asking me the same questions? Because there is more you are not telling me. There is nothing I am not telling you. Nothing at all. Scan my brain if you like. Check if you like. Okay, I will. Roughly, Alexander hauled her to her feet and began to lift her into his arms. No, wait, she protested, pushing him away. Wait for what? I thought you had nothing to hide. I don't. I'm just scared of heights. I have a fear of flying. Alexander raised an eyebrow. Didn't seem to bother you the last time. That's because I'm good at hiding it. I don't believe you. You enjoyed it. I could see it in your eyes. Again, he began to lift her. Wait! What this time? He frowned. I... I feel sick. I think it is the seawater. It has made me feel nauseous. You are lying. You look absolutely radiant. The picture of health, he abruptly said, lifting her into his arms. His wings unfolded. Alexander, please. Please what? Please don't take me back up there. Tell me why not, and I will see what I can do. Because, because, because I am scared. Of heights? No, it's something else. Something, something I don't really understand. Are you telling me that you are ready to trust me? I think so. Good. But first, we must go somewhere a little safer. The tide is coming in. Alexander opened his wings and with a mighty downward thrust lifted them from the shore to the cliff top. They both sat down and Mariana began to talk. The day after I was offered a job in the city as a teacher, my grandfather vanished. In the morning, he was just gone, disappeared without a trace, and there was nothing left to show that he had ever existed. His medical laboratory was clean and empty. It was just one small room at the back of the house, but his books and every possession he had ever owned were missing from it. He was 97 years old and I was 18. Did you find out where he had gone? My grandfather was a recluse, a brilliant but very private man. He had very few visitors except the handful of people who travelled for days with vials of blood from their loved ones, desperately seeking his bespoke medicine. He had very few friends and there was no place that I could think of that he might have gone to. But still I searched everywhere, for miles around our home. I asked my friends, Jess and David, to keep lookout for him along the shore, and they asked their merfolk friends to do the same. But no one could find them. He was nowhere. He was gone. So you do not know for sure if he is dead or alive? I had to believe that he was dead. I waited for him to come home. I worried and I waited. Life was empty without him, But I had to move on, and I could only do so if I let myself believe that he was never coming home, because he could not, because he was dead. And what of your parents? Mariana shrugged. I have no idea, she replied. You you took from my flat the only picture I ever had of them, the only faces I ever saw. Then you are the only one left, Alexander said. The sun was higher in the sky. It had burned the mist away to cast a long orange glow across the shimmering sea. Alexander knew he had stayed too long, longer than he had intended. Soon he would have to leave. 
but first he would have to tell her why he needed her grandfather's research and why he needed her. The fourth chimeric are a new breed of Pegasian. They look like us, they are born from us, but they are not the same as us. Your grandfather had predicted that by the fourth generation of... Alexander felt Mariana's body slump warmly into his. When he looked down, he saw that she was fast asleep. Her head had slipped down to rest on his shoulder and her loose curls tumbled over his chest. She looked so serene, so peaceful and so utterly beautiful. He had never known or ever seen another woman in this world who was as beautifully tempting and as desirable as she. It was as well that she was asleep, he decided, for if she had looked into his eyes one more time today, he might have changed his mind and taken her captive again, this time never letting her out of his sight. She was a distraction, a beautiful distraction, but one that he could not afford to indulge himself upon. So he did not wake her. Instead, he let himself rest with her for a while, for as long as he could allow himself to stay. Okay, so that is the end of chapter six. I hope you enjoyed it. Okay, bye for now.